This is Seeing Red, the New York Soccer Roundup on Backheel.com with your hosts, Mark Fishkin, Dave Martinez, and Dan Dickinson. It's Seeing Red, the New York Soccer Roundup. Mark Fishkin joined tonight by Eric Giacometti. Tonight on Seeing Red, we will go inside the Red Bulls 3-0 demolition of D.C. United to give New York the season series, or Atlantic Cup, if you will. Between the two teams, we're going to talk to number 10, Lloyd Sam, midfielder for the New York Red Bulls, and we're going to get to your emails where we talk about the Red Bulls Town Hall as well. So let's get right to it. Eric, how are you tonight? I'm doing well, Mark. Thanks for having me back on. It's a pleasure. You are our Seth Stamler. Eric, you uh, you know, you come in and a situation is needed, and you always deliver. And we're so happy to have you on the show tonight. So, New York, DC, it's a big match. It's a six-pointer. DC not playing well, and New York, from almost the opening whistle, completely eviscerated their biggest rival. Yeah, there's often a cliche that you know the team comes out in the front foot and dictates it, but I've never seen a team, a Red Bulls team at least, come out from the opening minute and absolutely dominate like they did against D.C. I mean, just from the from the first whistle, you could tell that this game was not going to get away from them. It, it, it might have had the feel in the beginning when Bill Hamid was making those stops that, oh, this might be one of those games where they rue their chances, but the chances just didn't stop coming. I mean, if it weren't for those heroics, we could have been looking at a much different scoreline, maybe 5-6, who knows how bad it could have gotten. But that was just one of the more complete performances I've seen from not only this Red Bulls team in 2015, but in recent history. It was just such a thorough performance, offensively, defensively. I don't really remember any player having a bad night, and it came in a rivalry game that they essentially made a six-pointer, and they still have those games in hand in D.C., so it couldn't have been bigger for them. 57% possession told part of the story. New York completed over 130 passes more than D.C. United on the night. Uh, in the attacking half, it was over 100 more. Outshot D.C. 24-9, to and I think the majority, the vast majority of those shots came in the second half after it was already 3-0. And so you, you talk about a team that is hyped up and ready to go from moment one, I mean, Lloyd and all of the attacking players, Bradley, obviously MLS Player of the Week, with two goals and an assisting to Lloyd on the third, and uh, an amazing volley by Grella, a a pass by Grella, ball from Felipe for a a highlight reel. That may be one of the top ten goals scored in, in Red Bull Arena in six years. That goal by Bradley Wright Phillips is like a career best highlight film goal, and... New York draws ever closer. Um, other than Bradley and Lloyd, who impressed you on uh, on Sunday night? I thought Sasha really put in a good shift. I mean, that was yeah. that was probably his best performance as a number ten for this Red Bulls team. Obviously, not his natural position, but I thought he pulled the strings all night. Even you know early on, and even in plays that didn't you know result in a goal, he was in the middle of everything all night. He was just giving hell to the to the D.C. defenders, especially uh, Burnbaum and Boswell, who were rocks in the, in the center of the defense last year. They looked pretty poor in the night, and Sasha was able to you know pull them out of position, slip passes into the wingers, and they just had their way all night in the midfield. Sasha was uh, was a maestro. I mean, and what really struck me among the many things that struck me about this game is, you know, D.C. looked old and slow. And D.C. has kind of taken the tack of we're going to bring in veteran players. That That's kind of how they've rolled of late, right? You know, Boswell and, I mean, Pontius has been around a long time. Chris Rolfe, Jairo Arrieta. Um, Franklin. Sean Fra- right, Sean Franklin, of course, Hamid. They have, I believe, seven guys on the starting roster with over 150 MLS appearances. And they just were immobile. And New York's high press completely carved them up. You know, Boswell giving up that ball, passing right into space to help set up the first goal. And, I mean, just statue shots. Um, five by Grella, five by Brad, four by Kleschen, three by Sam, two Felipe, uh, two Miazga, and they were coming, flying in from every direction, and this was so complete that Ben Olsen (laughs) called the Red Bulls the gold standard in the East after the game. And for... 
for a DC coach to make a statement like that really underlines just how badly his squad was beaten. Yeah, and the Red Bulls didn't need any more motivation for this game. It was all there for the taking, you know. The game's in hand, the fact that they were right behind DC, the fact that it's a rivalry game and we're bringing back the Atlantic Cup. I mean, not not the hugest deal in the world, but I was joking with Frank Gias that we need to we need to bring it back to prominence. So I'm I'm sticking with it. But it was uh, interesting to note that Jesse Marsh, after the match in Chicago, where they came out real flat and they they lost that game down there in Chicago, he said, "If we win this next game against DC, we'll forget about this real quickly." And that's exactly what they did. They were very yep. confident going into this game. They shrugged off that that midweek performance as a one-off, and that, I think that's really what it was. That wasn't the true New York Red Bull side that we've seen for the majority of 2015. What you saw uh, at Red Bull Arena on Sunday night was, you know, truly one of the best performances I've seen from this team. New York, I think that's right. I think you're absolutely, I think this is one of the best performances we've ever seen, certainly against DC. There was that unbelievable 4 nothing thumping they gave them back in the day in RFK, where Henri scored a bunch and Juan Agudelo scored his first goal on this terrific volley. But th- this was as complete a performance, I think, against DC and maybe in the Red Bull Arena era that we've seen. New York climbs to 12, 7, and 6. On the uh, on the year, they are second, of course, behind DC United by two points with three matches in hand, and they're four points behind the LA Galaxy, also with three matches in hand. And now they have another break. They are going to be off on Labor Day weekend. They don't play until Chicago Fire comes to Red Bull Arena for the only time on Friday the 11th. I'm curious. Let's go right to Bull and Cow. Your bull for the night. Well, there's actually a, a, a couple choices I could go with, but I think you got to give it to Bradley. I mean, he did win Player of the Week, so it's it's the easy choice. But I mean, it's it's <laughs> tough to understate how how dynamic he was because everyone knows the narrative that that was going into the season about you know is he going to be able to do it without Thierry Henry you know supplying him service because he had 27 goals, but how many could he have had, and how many of those were you know the genius of Henry taking the pressure off of him? Well, yeah, he's not scoring 27 goals, but I think. You have to credit the amount of work that he does off the ball, the defensive pressing, and the creative side to Bradley Wright Phillips has been mm-hmm. so so ingenious, and the way that it's worked this year has been just remarkable, considering this is a guy that had, I mean, I'm not sure off, off the top of my head his stats, but maybe two or three assists last year, and now he's... Two assists last year. Okay, so two yeah. assists last year, and now he's at a career high. He seems like he's setting up just as much as he's scoring, and that can't be understated. That's such a huge part to this team, and it, that sh- it showed again with uh, two goal and assist performance. That's huge. There, there was a lot of there was a lot more press at this game, frankly, than there usually is, and because of the rivalry, uh, because of the national TV, and Bradley was asked once again about Thierry Henry, and God bless Bradley Wright Phillips, you know, doesn't shy away, doesn't scowl, doesn't smirk, just once again says, yeah, well, you know, it's a different team now, and you know, this is a guy that's four goals off the all-time two-year scoring mark for uh, for an MLS player, and he's got nine matches to go. And yeah, at his current scoring rate, is he going to d- d- beat what he did last year? You know, probably not. But based on how he's been scoring of late, seven—you know—he could get to twenty. I could see him getting to twenty with the opposition that the Red Bulls have down the stretch in their last nine games, especially if he plays like that uh, on a night when everything goes right. Is there a cow? I'll be honest. I'm I'm having trouble finding a cow just because no performance stuck out in my head as overly poor or someone that needed to you know come off because they were just having a stinker. Uh, I mean, it's it's always easy to to give the cow to the to the opposition. So I mean, if I had to give one, maybe I would just give it to Ben Olsen just because he was he seemed pretty irate with uh with Jesse after the match. He Jesse chose not to uh to tell us what that was about, but. You know, it, it, I guess that's the easy choice when uh, when when you have a, an opposing head coach is on the on the wrong end of a whooping and you know giving out to the opposing manager. Not not the best thing you want to see, but I I don't see any Red Bulls performances that I can give the count to. No, I, and it's rare um, that there's certainly no one on the Red Bull side, and we've had a couple of great matches down the, the, the stretch. I, I'm not even going to give it to Ben Olsen. I will forgive Ben Olsen for being uh, the Captain Caveman that he was uh, when you make a statement like the Red Bulls are the gold standard. So I think we, this might be our first cowless uh, match, cowless uh, show. Are we making history on seeing Red right now? I, I think we're making history. No cows. No cows at all. None. No moo. No moo. Wow. 
Finn. So before we um, before we talk about, well, we're, we're going to get a little bit into Chicago next week. Um, obviously, the big midweek action in quotes for the Red Bulls was their second town hall last night. If you haven't gone, if you weren't there first of all, and you haven't gone and see it, it is uh, archived right now at NewYorkRedBulls.com. You can just, uh, I think, under the news tab, you can find it. It's currently on the homepage. It's about a 90-minute long video, hosted, uh, moderated remarkably well by Tina Servasio and. Mark de Grand Pre, uh, general manager, Ali Curtis, Jesse Marsh, and Dax McCarty were the panelists. Eric, have you had a chance to look at the video? I haven't been able to watch the full 90 minutes of it, uh, but I, I did get you know the gist of it. I, I spoke with both Jesse and Ali today, so I, I have a good understanding of what went down. Uh, it was pretty obvious from, from the get-go that this was going to be a much different tone than there was in January because... That one was just so fresh off of you know Mike Petke being fired and the new regime coming in and all of that was just culminated with with the town hall and you know everyone wanted to vent their frustrations and rightfully so, but the way that this team has been performing, it's it's hard I guess to uh, to find the negatives because there's just so, there's so much good around this team right now in a way that in in my years you know not only just covering this team but just watching this team I haven't really seen even you know when they were in, in MLS Cup it's just the, the unity of this team and uh, the way they've come together and the way they're playing, frankly, is is one of the more attractive brands of soccer, uh, not only you know in this league but in in their history. So, you know the way that, the way that the, the fans have reacted is uh, it, it, it was pretty good to see for uh, for Ali getting that that uh, warm welcome considering how how much vitriol was aimed his way at the beginning. So he was pretty happy about it. Jesse was very happy about it. But they were both adamant that the work is. Is still to be done. They're not going to sit here and pat themselves on the back. That that patented chip on their shoulder that all the players and coaches have been talking about since day one, uh, that's still going to remain there. So that's going to be a big talking point going forward. Yeah, and let's and let's briefly recap the the news that came out of. Uh, the event because there was uh, there was a limited amount of news that was broken. Uh, there was a question about Dax McCarty's contract, which of course was a little awkward considering that the captain was sitting on the stage. Um, he did say that his contract is not up at the end of the year. There is a club option on his contract for next year. Of course, it will be interesting to see. Uh, if Dax decides to head home to Central Florida, um, Jesse, uh, rather Ali, made it, I think, very clear to everyone in the audience that the team values Dax tremendously, and I, I would not be surprised if the club picked up on his option. Any thoughts there? Yeah, I, I think that's a guy you really have to lock down. I know there's going to be speculation with him going to Orlando, considering you know they could they could use a player like him. Then again, you know. What team couldn't use a player like that's him. right? That's but right. you know, with it being his hometown, I'm guessing there will always be links to to bring him there. Uh, but this is a team that that needs Dax in the middle of that midfield that has made him, you know, not only the captain but really the focal point of of everything they do. And he's become such a fan favorite. And with with all the things that they've done right, I think that would be a, a pretty big misstep if they were to part ways with their captain. So. Uh, not only does it make sense from a soccer perspective, it makes sense on a fan relations perspective. He's great with the media. Yeah. He's just all around. I think it, it makes sense to bring him back and, and re-up his contract. For sure. Um, interesting that Mark de Grand Prix was asked a question about the South Ward and expanding the South Ward. And Mark had said... Yes, that if if more members wanted to sign up, more folks bought full season tickets, they would certainly investigate moving the South Ward up, down, left, and right in order to fill the need. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, Mark was asked about uh, partnering with an NWSL team, with the women's team, and he said that's something that they are looking at but not, not imminent. Uh, I know there were discussions between Sky Blue and the Red Bulls uh, the season uh, the season before last, and nothing came to fruition. Um, there was a question asked about the USL2 team and a permanent home for them, and 
Mark had said that, yes, they were planning on a permanent home next year. He didn't say where. I think most Red Bull fans uh, are believing that the team will be based at the training center in Hanover, New Jersey. Uh, they they probably they, they won't be playing at Red Bull Arena next season. And if you've noticed, I mean, when the team plays at Red Bull Arena, there are hundreds of fans there. Um, uh, also... The team announced, after a question about radio, that the Red Bulls will be launching a live streaming 24-hour radio network through TuneIn um, that will be filled with Red Bulls content. So that's really interesting, and I think will be a great source of interesting Red Bulls content for fans. That's a lot of hours to fill. 24 hours of Red Bulls audio content. Hmm. Interesting. Um... Any uh, anything else? Any did anything, anything surprise you last night? I, I mean, I guess I was surprised at at just how warm the reception was. I figured there would be a little more pushback, uh, considering what had gone down in January. Uh, but like I said, there there there's been a lot a lot of good going on in this match, or sorry, in this season rather. Uh, I was thinking that maybe if if they had dropped that match against DC, that maybe that would have soured yeah, things a little, a little bit. I, I think that would yeah. have changed the narrative a little bit, but. On the whole, uh, I think Jesse was once again was spot on with the crowd. I think I think that's what really resonates uh, with with these fans is that they they can see a little bit of transparency there that you know these guys are they're not giving you the runaround they're they're more or less telling you how it is and I think that openness really kind of fosters a belief and a trust in the system. I know that's been talked at an infinitum, but the system is in place and you know it's it's reaping its early rewards so. Uh, let, letting it see how it, how it moves on. I think if this fan base gives it a chance, uh, they, they're already starting to see what it can do. Are you, were you surprised that the Red Bull out folks who still have a mission and they still are trying to advance their notion, did, did it surprise you that they were not vocal? Uh, i got to be honest. I wasn't really sure if they were still around. I mean, I see a, a, little, bit, a little bit of it here or there on Twitter. Uh, I'm not really sure how vocal uh, they, they are. Aside from you know the the first game where they were planning on that protest, I really haven't seen much from them. So I wasn't. I, I figured there may be something in terms of uh, the town hall, but from what I understand, there was real really no pushback from the Red Bull out movement. So uh, I'm sure there's still you know those that think that the Red Bull should sell the team, and you know there's not going to be much changing their minds considering you know the history with Red Bull. Now we're entering I think our tenth year uh, with Red Bull as the owners. So uh, I guess some things are seen as too egregious to forgive, so I'm not sure that'll ever go away, but it seems like that is dwindling down. It seems like that's kind of fading into the background with, you know, at the end of the day, winning does heal all wounds. So if they keep winning, it's going to be harder and harder to to be shot from the mountaintops that we need change because results are really what, you know, gets you far in this business. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Um, you know, the the for me... These are guys and gals, I guess, who uh, just want to change. And, and, you know, the interesting thing to consider is, um, although from everything we've read, things are going swimmingly, and you heard it a little bit from Ali during the meeting, that they are far more integrated into global Red Bull soccer than they've ever been. And you heard during the meeting Ali say things like, yes, we are in constant contact with the other teams in the Red Bull soccer universe. It, it doesn't seem a likely situation that Red Bull would be pulling away from the team anytime soon. So, um, you know, the Red Bull out folks are certainly are entitled to their opinion, and uh, it would be interesting to see how long this group of Red Bull management is uh, permitted to continue, but everything seems to be going the quote-unquote right way, and the owner, you know, frankly, seems to be engaged. So it, it'll be interesting um, to see where this goes. Um, before we talk briefly about Chicago, while New York is off this weekend, Labor Day weekend, Dallas, currently one point behind the Red Bulls, is playing Columbus, who are also one point behind the Red Bulls. So in that match, you're certainly rooting for a draw. Uh, before the Red Bulls take the field next Friday, September 11th, against the Fire Vancouver, three points up on the Red Bulls, uh, host Colorado at BC Place. So uh, also Kansas City, 
two points behind New York, will visit Portland, who's also two points behind New York. So uh, uh, obviously we're going to be rooting for lots of draws, rooting for a Colorado win before the Red Bulls take the field. So thinking about Chicago, and we'll profile the Chicago match next week, you know, Chicago was the latest team to break up this mojo. Uh, I'm just wondering how how they can do differently against a very speedy team that countered so well against them. Yeah, that's that's the real talking point that they you know that seemed to crop up a lot after the the Wednesday loss midweek in Chicago was that it was the individuals that really seemed to break them down, and it wasn't so much a cohesive team unit that the Red Bulls are. It was you know one on one talent, like you said, those speedy players that can you know really cause them fits. Uh, but uh, one thing to note is that you probably won't see Zubar in the defensive lineup. You'll probably no. see Caronel back there. So having the first-choice defensive unit will probably bode a little bit better for the Red Bulls, not to mention they'll be playing at home, so that's a much different atmosphere. This team is just simply a different team at home. So they'll have to figure out a way to you know be a little more compact. Uh, the, the giveaways were a big problem in Chicago that – that for their first goal was directly a result of a giveaway mm-hmm. midfield. So eliminating small things like that uh, can really make a difference. And, you know, you can talk all you want about top of the table versus bottom of the table. They're not going to disrespect Chicago. They're not going to come in there thinking that the three points are in the bag. You know, they know just what they can do. They've seen it firsthand. So expect them to make some adjustments. And uh, like I said, playing at home, you can, uh, can, you can bet that it's going to be a different game. Absolutely. New York with nine matches left. Here's the home slate, Chicago, Orlando, Columbus, Montreal, and Philly. Tough, tough trip, tough week at New England, who has gotten red hot to the surprise of no one after Jermaine Jones joined the team just like last year, uh, and the trip to Portland, a trip to Toronto, and then the season finale, October 25th, at the Chicago Fire. Um, Strap yourselves in. Enjoy this Labor Day weekend, because the matches are going to be coming fast and furious when we return. And when we return... Segway. We're going to talk to Lloyd Sam, midfielder of the New York Red Bulls. You're listening to Seeing Red. You're listening to Seeing Red with Mark Fishkin, Dave Martinez, and Dan Dickinson. Back at Seeing Red, the New York Soccer Roundup. Mark Fishkin, Eric Giacometti here with you. It's hard to believe that tonight's guest has appeared for the Red Bulls 96 times in all competitions, because it seems like, in many ways, he's really just arrived. He's certainly come into his own this year, blasting past his previous goal high, and with nine games to go, he could reach an all-time record for Red Bulls in terms of points, and that's number 10, Lloyd Sam. How are you tonight, Lloyd? I'm very good. Thank you for that great introduction. That's how we roll here. So let's start here, Lloyd. You've been a part of uh, some pretty big rivalry matches this season. The three matches against D.C., uh, uh, three matches against New York City, which I think we can all agree were just a terrific atmosphere. Have have we reached the point in 2015 that these kind of games are as fervent and as passionate as anything that you've uh, seen at home? The Derby games this season are some of the most exciting Derby games I can remember in my life. Every game that's coming up, I'm really looking forward to it, whether it's NYC or DC. It feels like every game's a Derby game, though, right now, when we're playing even the like of Philly, New England. They're teams that there's big rivalries with, but I really like the way we've um, turned up in every single game, and we've got the better of both of our main rivals. Must keep the fans happy. Lloyd, in particular this season, one of the mantras that Jesse has preached to you guys has been all in and, you know, team unity and all that. And with that comes uh, team defending. He's asked a lot more of especially uh, wingers like yourself to defend. How has that uh, how has that gone on for you in terms of, you know, balancing your attacking play and, and having to do the defensive work as well? Yeah, and Jesse's really big on all in. Everyone has to work, which is great. Like, everyone's got each other's back on the field. I mean, no one minds to do the extra running, especially when you know the guy next to you is going to do it for you. So that's kind of the mentality he's got going. And, I mean, I'm going to do whatever I need to do to stay in the team and get the win. So that's not been a problem whatsoever. I'm really enjoying playing every game for this team. So long may that continue. 
You know, Lloyd, the the addition of folks like uh, Sean and Gonzalo has certainly added a new dimension to the Red Bulls' attack. You said, I want to stay in the team. Have you noticed in practice being uh, pushed by these new additions in order to maintain your starting slot? I mean, definitely. Definitely you're being pushed. Me and both Mike Grillard say are being pushed. We know that there's two guys that are capable of doing damage that could come on at any time. And, like, I mean, it's always a healthy situation to have competition in the, in the team. So I know that I've got to be at the top of my game. There's other positions, too. Like, even in the midfield, we've got Sean Davis that can come in. That's, he's done great this season. And he's really pushed those guys. And even Sean Wright, he can play in a lot of different positions. So it's all over the field. Centre-back, we've got competition, too. With Ronald Zuba now back, and Carl we met has done great. So there's competition all around. So it's great to see. And as as you said, Leah, it, it's definitely a thing where you want to stay in the team. So you know you have to perform. Lloyd, in particular, you seem like you've really found your scoring touch this season. And in particular, against DC as well, that seems to be a team that you know, you seem to find your form more than anyone else. Can you just take us through what's changed? I know that in the beginning of the season, a big talking point was you moving centrally, trying to get you more involved there. Is that all it's taken? Or what is it about, you know, being central or playing against DC that really gets the most out of you? DC, that's a, that's a strange one. I don't know why against DC, like, I've really had this scoring form. But, I mean, Bill Hamid is a great keeper, and he's probably one of the best in the league. So it's strange that it's against them, but, I think I've got five goals against them. And it's a thing that me and my family know when we talk about when I'm going into DC game. So it was great to get another goal. But yeah, from the first conversation I had with Jesse um, around Christmas time, he was saying he wants me to get more goals. It, it, it definitely had something to do with it, but I still have to get there and convert. And I've, I've, I've had a scoring touch this season, which is which is a great thing for myself. Lloyd, Chicago handed you guys a pretty uh, rough defeat the last time out. And in fact, a lot of teams that seem to have flank speed have given you guys trouble. Obviously, uh, the record is very, very strong, but when you guys are on the wrong end, it oftentimes is because a team is able to break your press and attack and counter uh, with some success. Other than improving your mentality about how you go about this, and last night at the town hall, Dax was very, very effusive about we're going to give them a much different experience. How, how can you break these guys down on the 11th? Uh, I mean, this is, as Dax was saying, this is a game now. Like, I don't know, every game, it seems like we've got, there's a reason for us to really turn up. And every game lately, there's been a reason, and Chicago has given us a great reason to beating us in that game um, on Wednesday night. It left a really bad feeling and a taste in our mouth, so we're going to be fired up for that game. We didn't really turn up that night, so we got them at home, so we, we're definitely going to be fired up for this one. I can't wait to play them and get the record straight. Now, as you said, there's going to be another game against the Fire, you know, sandwiched in between that D.C. game. But going into the first matchup in Chicago, you were coming off of another long layoff. And, you know, perhaps that was, you know, part of what attributed to the poor performance. Would you say that that's a concern going into this next match, considering you have another bye week right now? And what maybe will you do differently to try to avoid that malaise setting in? Uh, Yeah, there's been some talk about that. Personally, I don't necessarily feel like the layoff was that long. I mean, it was 10 days. It wasn't like two weeks. And I don't really feel like it was the layoff. I just feel like it was a bad performance. Like, I, I, I don't like attribute that to the couple of days that we had off. Um, this one is, is a bit of a longer break with two weeks. Um, oh, we've been turning up at home, so I'll do the same. We're going to get there and say the right things in the chain room before. And I don't think this break is going to affect us. I think it will help us more than anything. Lloyd, you have any special plans? You'd, you'd mentioned it's not a two-week break, but it's a it's a multi-day break. I mean, I think it's a ten-day day break. Are you uh, going back home? Are you going to stay local? What are you going to do? 
Um, well, my mom came to visit me. She's here right now. Oh. She's cooking me some dinner right now. So nice. I'm, I'm, she can probably overhear me. Mom, can you hear me? <laughs> she can hear me right now, so she's here cooking. So we've just been spending time this week, so we won't be doing anything too crazy. But, um, yeah, it's nice when the family comes over and they took their turns to come over and see me this year, so that's been good. Lloyd, after um, last season ended on that fake field in Foxborough, I'm sure you know you guys came up one goal short. There's been so much change between now and then. Um, talk to us a little bit about uh, you know the, the, kind of the path is laid out for the Red Bulls right now. You guys have the best goals per match in the entire league. You've got lots of matches in hand on some very tough teams. Um, it seems like everything's pointing in the right direction and traditionally that's when things tend to fall apart are you uh aware are you guys paying attention are you watching the the scoreboard are you watching the standings i know we still have a bit to go but i think a lot of red bulls fans are really excited at the at the prospects here or are you kind of just doing your daily routines yeah, I'm, I'm personally i'm doing my daily routine are you talking with terms of support sure uh, you said it. I didn't. <laughs> well, I, people keep bringing this up to me, but um, we've just been trying to win every game we go into, and we're on a good run right now. And I mean, as long as we just try and win every game, take each game as it comes, I guess we'll see where we finish at the end of the season. Um, it'll be great to pick up whatever we can, but as I said, each game as it comes. That's how I'm looking at. It. All right. Well, Lloyd, thanks for coming on. We appreciate you the time. And uh, just an advisory for seeing Red fans out there, if Lloyd is ever to solicit you with fantasy football advice, you'd be best to turn that down. He's not the best guy out there as a foreigner. So just just make sure you, know, you, you take it with a grain of salt. <laughs> you know what? You know how far I've come in America? I actually had someone um, call me two days ago to say, I'm I'm the first to go to guy for fantasy advice. They had a draft and they kept me on speed dial to make their <laughs> decisions. That that's how far it's come. Who is your and, uh, who's and your Eric, top... I've told you about my team. You see my team. I have seen your team. I I've got some concerns for you, Lloyd, I'm not gonna lie. Who's your top pick this year, Lloyd? Top pick was uh wide receiver Julio Jones. Mm. So I feel I feel really good about him. But my whole team is not I, – I feel good about my team, but in our league, we've got a lot of guys that know what they're doing. It's a really intense Red Bull league, so let, let's tune in in a few months and see where I am. We will definitely hold you to that. Lloyd Sam wears number 10 for the New York Red Bulls. Lloyd, enjoy the break. Best of luck in Chicago and down the, the stretch as well. Thank you very much. Uh, speak soon. Your emails after this. It's seeing red at backheel. You're listening to Seeing Red with Mark Fishkin, Dave Martinez, and Dan Dickinson. Seeing Red, New York Soccer Roundup, Mark Fishkin, Eric Giacometti, in our constant carousel of hosts. That's how we roll here. You never know who you're going to get on Seeing Red. Uh, great, great talk with Lloyd Sam. As always, uh, segment three about you, seeingredny at gmail.com. Um, we've got five emails for you tonight. And uh, top one's going to win a prize. Here is Al from Glen Ridge. Love the show. I think the NYCFC rivalry will eventually overshadow the D.C. rivalry if it hasn't already for a special reason. Unlike D.C., Man City Light represents a threat to Metro's legitimacy, just as we represent a threat to NYC. To those fans, Metro is an energy drink billboard playing in the wrong state that has had limited success in terms of trophies and attendance. To Metro fans, NYC is a Man City farm team stuck playing in a baseball stadium for years to come, followed only by posers and bandwagoners. Each team sees the other as being superfluous and unnecessary. On the other hand, while D.C. may root for New York City to beat us, I doubt there are many United fans who say, well, after all these years, New York has a team of their own. Likewise, even though Metro fans may hate D.C., they still see D.C. as being the legitimate team of the D.C. area. 
While MLS is growing in popularity, it still may not be as popular as hockey. Until MLS is more popular, I think the success of one team in terms of fans and attendance may come at the expense of the other. As that is long the case, I think the DC rivalry will take a backseat to the blue team. Your thoughts? That was a mouthful. Uh, thanks for writing, Al. In terms of attendance, I don't think that's the case, because Red Bull attendance is up this year, and obviously New York City attendance has been a massive success. They're averaging 28,000 fans a game in Yankee Stadium. So... I don't, you know, they may be fighting for hearts and minds. I, I'm unsure of too many NYC fans that are saying, that's it, I'm going to go with a winner right now, and God forbid, gasp, take the path train. Any thoughts here? Yeah, I'm not sure how NYCFC would hurt the legitimacy of the Red Bulls because they've been around. I mean, they're an established team. You can point to their success or lack thereof all you want, but they're, you know, they're an established team in this market, so... Uh, the fact that, you know, if D.C. and NYCFC are, you know, how do they fit in the scheme of rivalries? I do think that NYCFC may soon uh, usurp them in terms of, uh, you know, the vitriol in those rivalries and, and the attendance and all of that. Because I think you have seen a little bit of a dwindling in the D.C.U. rivalry where, uh, you know, the, the original 96ers, of course, are always going to hold fast to that rivalry because right. there's just so much history there. And you can't ignore that. But there's a newer generation of MLS fans because, you know, the league is 20 years old now. So there are fans that, you know, do, don't know about the Metro Stars. They don't know who Roberto Donadoni is or Nicola Caricola or all of, all of these, you know, legendary guys from the Metro Stars era and all those you know, the massive battles from, you know, the early 2000s, late 90s. So, you know, looking at just how these first three NYCFC matches have gone, I think you have to look at it and say, you know, this can only get bigger. I know that the first year for an expansion club is always going to be, you know, have the shiny new toy factor. But I think even there, you might see a little bit of a dip in attendance for NYCFC. But I think those games where they go head-to-head, it's always going to have a little bit extra in there. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I, uh, I think it will be interesting. The interesting thing for me about the, the New York rivalry is when the Red Bulls finally lose to them. Because that's when things are going to get um, a lot more personal. So here's Colin Rosen in Edison who writes, hey, guys, want to talk about one thing that stuck out for me last night. I was impressed by the information that Jesse and Dax gave about fitness and hydration tests the guys have to take and the iPhone app they fill out every day with food, drink and sleep stats. I don't know if you guys heard that during the town hall, but I I thought that was very interesting. I think it's a great tool and probably one of the main reasons why our team has been so strong down in the dog days of summer. I can remember on a couple of occasions where a player was down late in the game with cramps, and that is a benefit. Oh, I can only remember a few times, and that's a benefit of this new season. I think that stricter hydration and fitness guidelines with the players are a big reason why we see the team closing out these big games and not allowing other teams to get the goal that might spark a comeback. Much credit to Curtis and Marsh for talking the talk and walking the walk when it comes to the analytics portion of the game. They've done well, but of course the season doesn't end September. Here's hoping the boys stay hydrated and fit deep into the fall months. The 2013 Supporter Shield is getting lonely. If actually we had a shield that was getting lonely, I think the shield lives in Seattle this year. I, there's only one shield, but maybe the uh, the Red Bulls text on this shield is getting lonely. So uh, did you hear that part of the discussion during the town hall? Yeah, I, I did notice that, but I've actually seen it firsthand uh, just being around at practice. I remember in particular one time uh, Sean Davis was coming off the field. And I guess one of the technicians behind, you know, the app or whatever, the, the, the tracking behind that, pulled him aside and said, hey, Sean, I noticed that you were a little dehydrated today. So just, you know, make sure you keep it up. He says, oh, OK, I'll work on that. So it's it's something that that's definitely being implemented. And uh, it's something that they, they're making very sure to take care of their bodies. You know, they have to log what they eat and their drink and their sleep hours and all of these things. And, uh, you know, Ali, when he took over, made a big point of analytics and. I guess a lot of fans were don't tell me show me that's you know they they wanted to see it in, in action yep. and and you're seeing it right now and you know how much of that do you want to attribute to their success uh you know that's kind of hard to quantify but you know the fact that they're even doing this and you know especially with the the high press and and all of that that requires so much running so much energy that they have to yep. empty the tanks you hear Jesse say that all the time the guys empty the tanks and when you when you're pushing yourself to those boundaries of, of physical fitness, you really need to be uh, doing everything you can to stay in the in tip top shape. And 
this is just one step that they're, they're taking to do that. The interesting thing for me was that Dax had said if they don't fill out their information on the app, they get fined. And Dax says that he, in fact, had been fined a number of times. So um, I know you're a big guy, Captain Engage, but clearly nobody is uh, bigger than the team. Here's Paul Vernick who says, seeing red, weeks like this don't come that often in MLS unless you're the Red Bulls and you have a lot of off weeks. After the the absolute crushing of the scum, the Red Bulls tried to cushion the fall of not having a game with something called a town hall. Most teams in MLS... Uh, don't have two shots, let alone one, to actually talk to the front office unless you're Seattle with a trust. I thought the fans acted professionally. Professionally? And even though the majority had no concerns, there were some disgruntled fans. That's my two cents. And Vamos Metro, Paul Vernick says, everyone save for MLS Cup. I think that's... uh, I don't think there's necessarily a comment needed on that. Thank you, Paul. Okay, next email... If you're on Twitter or you read Empire of Soccer, the next email comes from a very famous Red Bulls fan, and that's the Red Bulls optimist, who says, gentlemen, can you believe, and this is, uh, uh, buckle up, this is uh, a bit of a novel, that after all these years, this is my very first email to the show? Let me start by pointing out that if not for, for mentions by the now many esteemed hopes of seeing red, I would still be toiling away in relative obscurity in a small backwater of Twitter. So I am appreciative for all your support over these years, and I'm proud to be tweeting in a medium-sized backwater instead. I owe it to you all. I have a simple question for you. This week's town hall, town hall, titled Town Hall 2, They're Back and They're Happy, was, as my buddy and ex-boss Dave Martinez said, a love fest between the team and the fans. Can you imagine that? After 20 years of angst, punctuated by an occasional glimpse of happiness, the team and most of its fans are on the same page, holding hands, singing Kumbaya, and skipping through downtown Harrison in matching red and silver jackets. The team is playing the best it ever has, and we are leading the league in points per game, and we have many exciting young players and dynamic veterans, all devoted to an entertaining system of play. So I ask, says the Red Bulls optimist, is my work done here? Am I out of a job? Finished? Kaput? I did think this once before, you know, in the glow of the Supporters' Shield win. I figured that we were finally in a post-pessimism world, and I availed my true identity with the intention of retiring from Twitter like the rest of the accounts whose come, time has come and gone. See Dax Stash and Sasha's Stash. But a mere 14 months later came the famous regime, regime change, and all felt lost. And there was a place for me after all. So I ask again, is this the real promised land? Have we reached the mountaintop, the zenith, the nirvana of optimism? I have my opinion, but I'll just hang up and listen to yours. In the meantime, I beseech your listeners to take note and appreciate what we have. No, we haven't won anything yet, that's for sure, but these blissful moments are fleeting. It's the ups and the downs that define our relationship with the team. Just remember to enjoy the ride. Your friend, the Red Bull's optimist. It's a happy, glowy time right now in Red Bull land. Um, the team seems very, very focused in, on the notion that they haven't won anything yet. But at the top of the, the final run of the stretch, with nine matches to go between now and the end of October, um, we'll figure out, is this team for real? And can they finish on the top of the heap? So is is this the end of a need for optimism? Mark, uh, I'm not going to lie. I found myself holding back laughter at, at the even the <laughs> implication that there might be a time when the optimist is no longer needed because let's be honest this is this is a business where it's more or less what have you done for me lately and that will always be the case not just with the red bulls it just in sports in general fans tend to have a very uh, short term memory in terms of you know what's the latest result or what's the latest trophy we've won so yes things are great right now probably as good as they've been uh well i guess i can't say in years because their supporter shield was in 2013 but in terms of the overall prospects of this team in the direction, they're in quite a good place, and not to mention that they're challenging for the Shield once again. But to say that, that you know, everything is hunky-dory from here on out, I think is a huge mistake. I mean, just looking at Red Bull's Twitter after a loss or after anything goes bad, there will always be, you know, people that are will overreact or will get upset. And, to, of course, to each of their own, they have their prerogative, too. They, you can't tell someone how to be a fan, so... Uh, but at the end of the day, there will always be people that are feeling the team isn't doing enough. Even if this team were to do the double, 
I'm sure there'd be people out there asking, <laughs> well, you know, how come they're not, you know, putting it up in the Champions League or uh, the the Open Cup game wasn't at home or so, you know, there's there's always something to complain about. So uh, this, I, I don't want to make it seem like this is something that's uh, that's only happening with Red Bulls fans. It's not unique to this fan base, certainly. No. It's something that happens with all fan bases throughout all sports. So I think that optimism is always needed. Maybe not right now because there's there's a glut of it right now, but there will certainly be a time when our little you know soccer ball friend will be one of the only smiling faces in Red Bull land. Yeah, absolutely. Um, when you think about the, the way forward for this team, nine games left, you know, Matches at New England and Portland back-to-back are by no means a walk by any stretch. They're two of the most difficult games that New York will have all year long. And, I mean, every match at Portland has been completely wild, right? You got a couple of 3-3 draws, and it's crazy town there. Also, New York does not exactly have a sterling record playing at the Revs over the last little while. And so... Uh, you know, it, it would not be with outside the realm of reason that New York loses both of those games against very good teams on the road. Yes, New York has a pretty good road record, but these are TT teams that are going to be playoff teams, hopefully in the case of Portland, I guess, and they're tough to beat at home. So New York is definitely going to have to earn every single result, and there will be draws and there will be losses as we come down the stretch. There just will be. So there are plenty of opportunities for the hammer to fall on this team. They just have to be cresting a wave right now with only a single league loss um, since you know, mid-July. And um, they're 8-2-1 uh, and one in their last 11 games. So things are great, but there's, there's, a, there's a long way to fall when you get close to the top. Moral of the story so, is we'll always need you, Mr. Optimist. So don't, don't go absolutely. anywhere too quickly because there will be a time when They'll be shining up the bat signal of a smiling ball up in the sky, and uh, they'll be needing you in Red Bull Twitter. Absolutely. The last email and winner of our weekly prize of four lower bowl tickets and the chance to watch warm-ups on the field goes to Alex Chang, first-time writer. Hello, Mark, Dan, possibly Eric, and probably not Dave. This is my first email in, but as so much has happened around Red Bull Land the last few years, I thought it was a good time as any to come in. First off, I want to thank Mark for coming into Red Bull's Town Hall 2.0 and asking some fantastic questions. Thank you. As well as TJ for plugging the show. TJ, if you watched the Town Hall, TJ made an impassioned uh, plea of thanks for Secret, and we thank TJ. It was great to meet him after the event. Um... Uh, and asking fantastic questions and the tune-in station Mark de Grand Prix was talking about says interesting for added Red Bull talk in the current soundscape I thought the town hall was very informative and interesting to watch with his frank and open answers from de Grand Prix Jesse, Marsh and Dax and even Ali when he stuck only a toe in his mouth instead of his full foot the tone was informal and it was nice to see those four joking occasionally with each other on the dais it was also nice to hear that Dax has an option year which I thought was the most surprising bit of information we got from the meeting. This meandering and long-winded thing being said, I'm curious to hear your opinions of our football relationship with Red Bull Abroad. There was a very well-written article written on Once a Metro, which I agreed and every Red Bull fan should go read it. It's phenomenal. About Ralph Ball and our organizational style of play deriving from Leipzig and from Austria. Someone asked Ali about our relationship with Red Bull Abroad as well, and he claimed we have good ones and we actually mutually exploit each other's resources. On a more ideological level, what are your opinions of this kind of organization-wide style of play? Does this sort of wider style of play make us seem more like a lower team in a larger Red Bull footballing organization, or do we stand as a part to help build the structure? Are we worried that we can become seen as a subordinate of a foreign body, a la Man City, New York City, as I guess we are? Does this mean that from a player transfer standpoint, we will have more Ibrahim Sagayas who will come over from Austria and Matt Miazgas going possibly to Leipzig because of a more uniform style of play. Will Leipzig ever reach the Bundesliga? Am I asking too many questions? Also, please ask Lloyd Sam to start collecting more good luck charms like the Lady Gaga World Heavyweight Championship belt and thank you for his infectious smile. I'm sorry we didn't get there. That's Alex Chang. So, 
in the piece on Once a Metro, they talk about how Ralph Ragnick is kind of the architect of this high press style of play. Um, whether or not Ollie and Jesse signed on to that before they took the job or afterwards, they have certainly put it into practice to a tremendous amount of success. Um, does it mean that the Red Bulls are, quote-unquote, a farm team of Leipzig or Salzburg? I don't know if I agree, and I don't know that the Red Bulls would necessarily agree. I don't think we've seen a player, a young American player, from the Red Bulls go over to one of those teams. Although, to be perfectly honest with you, there haven't been young players. I guess you could say, well, I, I, I retract that statement. Agadello and Josie both moved from the Red Bulls onto European clubs and completely bypassed the Bundesliga 2 at the time, or the Austrian League. I don't know if Americans have ever played in the Austrian League. I'll have to look that up. But nevertheless, um, I don't necessarily see the Red Bull, the New York Red Bulls ever being a farm team of other teams uh, in the Red Bull family. Eric, what do you think? Yeah, I have to agree with you. I, I guess that's part of the, the worry with you know being part of a larger global brand. But in terms of the comparisons to are we going to be Man City and, and NYCFC, that kind of relationship, I don't see it because no team, Red Bull Leipzig or Red Bull Salzburg, they're not at the level of Manchester City. They're not a Premier League you know, world beater. So you're not going to see uh, the, them cherry-picking top talent or you're not going to see you know, maybe their, their older veterans getting sent down because I, I just don't see that kind of relationship. I see Red Bull New York as, as definitely part a piece of a, a larger puzzle. Uh, but I, I don't see it as that kind of relationship. I think there's definitely some benefits to to having uh, some sort of uniformity along all of those uh, those teams because you know they're able to to share a certain mindset and see what works. And you know the resources that Red Bull has are are second to none in in most cases. So uh, they do well to tap into that. And it looks like they have been already with this with this uh, Ralph Ball as you call it. For sure. Um, a great note. Please go read that terrific article on Once a Metro. Really, really terrific. So we've come to the end of another Seeing Red. I, I think this is 226 in the can. We thank you so much if this is your first uh, episode you've listened to or your 226th. Uh, we'd like to thank Lloyd Sam for taking part in tonight's show. We'd like to thank uh, my guest host, Eric Giacometti, and we'd like to thank you for listening. So I'm Mark Fishkin. Thank you for everyone. In the Seeing Red universe. Thanks for Dave and Dan as well. We'll speak to you next week. Good night. This has been Seeing Red, the New York Soccer Roundup on Backheel.com. Listen anytime on iTunes, Stitcher, and SeeingRedNY.com.